0: Good morning, good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. Special welcome to my niece, Daniela Berger, who's with us this morning from New York. It's great to have you. Welcome back to Andrea Zucker. We continue to wish her comfort on uh, her recent loss. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the Amuna Shear, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbin, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We remain so grateful to the Morgans for their generosity throughout the year. This morning, Shear is also sponsored Almost a weekly sponsorship by Carol Wald. Whereas Carol, thank you. In memory of her beloved brother Ruben Ben Benyamin, Robert Pressner, and by Yosef Siedler and Deborah and Larry Siedler in memory of Susie Siedler. Our beloved Susie Siedler was a member of our community. We lost so suddenly and tragically. It was a woman of great Amuna. We uh, remember Susie this morning. And by Deborah Jacobson in honor of her beloved mother Barbara Frankel's birthday and uh, flew here to be together in person. It is so great to have you. A very happy birthday, Barbara. Many, many more in good health and happiness and nachas from your beautiful family. And uh, so good to see you. I know you listen together and watch together when you're apart, and it's great to see you together in person. Please, God, in good health for many, many years to come. Okay. So before we dive back into the Sefer, we've been studying Tiv Emuna, Rav Gamliel, Rabinovich on uh, Emuna. I got a great Amuna email. You know, I love when people share their Amuna stories, their stories of Amuna and how it helps them. So I'll share with you this Amuna story, and then we'll dive back into the, into the sources itself. So uh, this person who will remain anonymous writes Rabbi Goldberg, I hope all is well. I'm a weekly listener to the Amuna show. I was flying back today from such a place to such a place, and I got to the airport with plenty of time to spare. Went through security and quickly glanced my mobile boarding pass to see the gate, and saw it said D32. I didn't think twice because the screen above the gate said flight to the destination where I was going. An Israeli lady approached me and said, Yay, yeah, you know, another Jewish person. She asked if I could help her as she was traveling from Israel and didn't have a working phone. She made multiple calls on my phone and asked me to help her with her Wi Fi. I got completely distracted until I looked at my Apple Watch and it said boarding closed. <laughs> I was so confused because the gate I was at had not started boarding yet. I then realized that even though I was at a gate to that destination, I had looked at the gate we were landing at and not at the gate departing from. I ran to the correct gate and they told me it was too late and they would put me on a standby for the next flight. At first I was so worried but then I took a step back and I said I helped another Jew and Hashem will take care of me. Everything will work out and I wasn't meant to be on the earlier flight. I waited on standby they told me the flight was completely booked and even overbooked by one. I waited there patiently saying Tehillim and the guy said I'll put you on. Even cooler, the seat I was put in was 32D. The same gate where I helped a fellow Jew was the same seat that I got. D32, and it was seat 32D. If not for the Yamuna Shir, I'm sure I would have stayed freaking out. (laughs) Thank you, sign, somebody who didn't freak out. (coughs) So, Baruch Hashem, that are the benefits of living with Yamuna. It's not the Yamuna Shir, it's any Yamuna that you practice, that you learn, that you preach, that you teach that you read, that you subscribe to. But simply, the living with emunah is uh, what enables us in those difficult situations, and that is not a difficult situation. In the moment, it feels like a difficult situation. We spoke yesterday in the Parashashir. Kodesh Baruchah says, I'll bring you up on the wings of eagles. He wants to give us a look from 50,000 feet down. He says, all the things that seem so big when you're down there, if you were to see from up here, you'd see how small they really are. So where we are, they all feel so big. But in scope and context, proportion, they're really very small. But when you're going through it, it feels big. And when you go through it, no matter what it is, with emuna, we can find the strength to endure, the resilience to be able to overcome, and to get through and navigate the difficult situations and circumstances of life. We get together on Wednesday mornings not just to talk about emuna, but to work out our emuna muscles to get our emuna lasek surgery, so that we can see the world through the perspective of emuna. And when those moments come, we spoke about this last week, we can't wait. You can't wait till the crisis, a catastrophe, or simply the challenging moment arises to then try to find Hashem and try to find serenity and tranquility and calm. If we wait till those moments, it's too late. Person has to be living with emuna so that we are strong and healthy and we have a foundation of emuna upon which we can lean and turn to and grow in those, in those moments. Okay, so let's continue. We're on page Ayin Gimel, page 73. Tiv a great Tzadik today in Yerushalayim. And he writes the following. Whatever is our passion, that is our life source. What gets you excited? What wakes you up in the morning? What gets you going? I recently got together with a group of... Uh, community members who are dear friends I hadn't connected with in a long time. And we definitely shot the breeze and made small talk and caught up with one another. And then I asked a question, which we don't often ask one another, but I think is really a a great conversation piece of true genuine friendship, not acquaintances that it's not comfortable to do this with, but real comfort. And we went around and I said, everybody share what energizes you? What excites you? Where's your passion? What makes you wake up? What makes you jump out of bed in the morning? What energizes you and what depletes you of energy? What are the things that you say, oh, I hate having to do that, I don't want to do that, that's miserable, that drains me, that takes all the energy from me? That you don't have to share, especially if it's someone you're related to, but that you don't have to share. <laughs> but, but what are the things that energize you? What are the activities and experiences and people and practices? What inspires you and what energizes you? I don't know that we ask ourselves that question often enough. I don't know if we ask that question often enough. Chazal wanted us to ask ourselves that question. They talked about, the Mishnah and Pirkei Yovas talks about a tree. Does it have deeper roots? Does it have more branches? It'll topple over if the roots are not deep and they're not strong. And what are roots? Roots would draw the nourishment. Roots are what draw the the irrigation. They draw the water that will make that tree survive. And the Mishnah Chazal tell us that you have to have deep roots. The tree will topple over. We need to do more of what energizes us than that which depletes us and drains us of our energy. Not just physically, although that too, But spiritually, what spiritually energizes us? You know, we we talked about in Halavai, we could institute that we go for a physical, we're supposed to go for a physical every year, a well checkup. There's a comedian performed at a local school dinner the other night and talked about the doctors during Corona who only did well checkups. If you were sick, you couldn't come. Only well checkups. He had a whole routine about the well checkups. So, but we, we encourage a well checkup It's called a physical. You go for a physical once a year and it's a well checkup. What's wrong? Nothing. What's the matter? Nothing. What are the symptoms? I don't have any. Why are you here? I feel well, but once a year you should double check. Take inventory, take labs. Let's see where I'm holding. A physical once a year. Imagine if we went for a spiritual once a year. A spiritual. When's the last time you had coffee with a friend or caught up on the phone and they said, how's your neshama doing? How's your neshama? What do we talk about is, and the plumber came, and then I just got a new couch in my house, and let me tell you what's going on with my children, and the new restaurant that opened up, and the shul is incredible, the activities, the programs, it's unbelievable. My shul is the best shul on the planet. We catch up on all of that. But when's the last time we're willing to make ourselves vulnerable with ourselves, or to others, to say, how's your neshama? How's your, what are you doing for your neshama? How's your neshama? When's the last time you nourished your neshama? When's the last time you took care of, protected your neshama? How is your neshama doing? What are we doing for our neshama? Which is really another form of the question, what drains your neshama and what energizes your neshama? So Rav Gamliel says, Whatever we are immersed in, marinated in, passionate about, excited about, that's what gives us chiyus. it gives us life. It gives us life. Somebody texted me at midnight last night. Did you hear LeBron broke the scoring record? <laughs> I could care less, but there's a world of people, that LeBron, I'm a Jordan loyalist, I'm not a LeBron fan, I don't like LeBron, doesn't impress me, doesn't excite me, I'm not a fan of his. But there are people who like basketball and scoring records and that's, mm, they live for it. It was an exciting moment. They kept the family around, let's gather, let's watch, let's see this big seminal moment, he's gonna break through. He says, he gives the example. There are some people who are living for their next meal, There are some people so committed, so devoted, their life is so, food is so central to their life that their whole life revolves around what's the menu for the next meal? What are we eating? Where are we going? What are we having next? And while they're eating, you can't talk about anything else. How does it taste? What is that spice? Are you enjoying? Is this good? How would you rate it? What is it? ba'ososha, so the same person who you could engage intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, but in the moment of their indulging physically, they're a You don't. They're unrecognizable. You're like, has your neshama? How's my neshama? Have you tasted this crepe? <laughs> Tell me what what energizes you. What energizes me? Have you had any of this dessert? And you're like, I don't even know who you. What, who am I sitting next to? I don't recognize you, what are you right now? Hi, where, where did the neshama I love go? You're just a goof. you're just a body. Where's the soul that I love? Where'd it go? You might as well be sitting opposite the cow or the, or the, or the dog or the cat or the hamster that's just indulging in a physical act of eating and loves it and is overeating and is enjoying and, and the whole soul of the person has been suspended while they are experiencing the eating. All of their limbs and all of their organs and all of their intellect and all of their emotion and all of their soul is directed only to that moment of eating. Not mindfully eating, that's a Jewish concept we've spoken a lot about. I gave a whole shir, it's online if you want to find it, on the Jewish attitude towards eating. Mindful eating is a Jewish, not only perspective, it's a Jewish it's a Jewish mandate, it's a Jewish mission, it's a totally Jewish, we've, in one of the many books that I've written, all of them so far only in my head. Oh. <laughs> but I have a whole book on this subject, the whole chapter, there's a lot of footnotes to it. It's all, it's all written and documented, it's excellent. It's just right now only in my head, but We've totally, the whole laws of kashris are that while the rest of the world mindlessly can eat anything at any time, anywhere, we should be mindful of what we're about to put into our mouth. The whole halacha that you have to make a bracha before and a bracha after, all of it is a platform and an exercise in mindfulness. We unfortunately have become creatures of habit and rote and we mumble the bracha and we eat the bracha faster than we're about to eat the food and we're... Not discriminant or, or judicious about what food we eat, when we eat, how much we eat, and what portion size we eat, and the opposite. We've become so synonymous, some segments of our community, with unhealthy eating and unhealthy portions of eating and overemphasis on eating, which is never the way it was meant to be. It was never the way it was meant to be. Enjoy good food. Simcha's Yantav and oneg Shabbos, and Simcha v'yayin. There definitely is a major food component to our religion, and we should enjoy it, but we should enjoy it. With boundaries and parameters and a perspective and in a way that elevates or we elevate it, not, not the opposite. And that's a whole we, we should work harder in our families and in our community and in our attitude and in our approach to that. And this is not some like we should have vegan kiddishes and kale shallashutas and I'm not coming to any of those. So that's that's not what I'm advocating. You could have Kugel and Shalent and good things but you could have it in a good proportion and a good ratio and, and good version of it and so on and so forth and, and a mindful experience of the bracha and of what we're doing to the food. And this is the Jewish perspective to, to eating. Tarach l'fanai shilchan negetzor David HaMelech said and we sing it at Shalashites and Mizmor David, Psalm 23. Taroch l'fanai shilchan negetzor rai You set a table before me in full view of my adversaries. Who are the adversaries? Our enemy is like that's exactly where Hamas put the spy cameras. They're watching my Shabbos table. That's where. That's where Hezbollah is uh, is espionage. Neged opposite my adversaries. They're watching my table. So the Bali musa, the Bali the tzaddikim all right. What it means is taruch lefanai shulcha neged You know what the enemy is? My table. What's on it? The food. The enemy is within me. Every time we sit down to eat, we are engaging in a war. That's why. What's the word for food, for bread? Lechem. Lechem. And what's the root of the word for war? Milchama lechem. It's not a coincidence, it's the same word. Lechem is the staple of all food, staple of all meals. Today, everybody is uh, glucose-free and uh, celiac and conscientious of carbs and all that stuff. But once upon a time, when you didn't have a supermarket with thousands of products, what you had was bread. Bread was the staple of every meal. And every time you sat down to eat that bread, you were engaging... Every time you ate lechem, you were about to engage in a melchama. Neged sororai. tarach l'fanai shulcha neged So we wage a war with eating, but that's exactly where, you know why we have the, the tzaddikim say, I'm going to get back to our text in one second, but the tzaddikim say, why do we have hagalah's kalim? You buy a utensil, it was manufactured not by a Jew, it was sold not by a Jew, before you use it, you got to go to the kalim mikvah. And no, you can't use it once before you go to the kelem mikvah, that's a misnomer. Before you use it, you have to go to the kelem mikvah. You have to go to the kelem mikvah glass and metal, not China, what has to go, what doesn't have to go for another time. Why? It's bizarre. Yesterday, Baruch Hashem, four new Jews. In our mikvah. we converted four new people, four beautiful new souls. The mikvah is a place that non-Jews can become Jews. The mikveh is a place that a man who experienced an act that he wants to cleanse himself and purify himself and elevate himself from goes to the mikveh. A woman whose body did not realize the possibility of conception of a new life, and instead there was the loss of that possibility, goes to the mikvah. These are wholly beautiful descriptions of why we have mikvah. And what else? So a person who wants to convert, and a man who wants to elevate himself to learn in Davin, and a woman who wants to re- be reborn, with the possibility again after experiencing the unfulfilled possibility of conception, and my pots. Yeah, right. And my pans and my forks and my knives, right? This is the, this is the sobering part of getting married. Chassan and Kala are on cloud nine and they're counting all the checks and gifts and then they realize what pile has to go to the kalim mikvah. And that is the sobering part of, of marriage. That's, that's why in Sheva Brachas you can't go to work because you spend the whole Sheva Brachas at the kalim mikvah. So, but what? My pots and pans and forks and knives, where's the holiness in that? So they're beautiful, beautiful insights of righteous people who say, that what we're doing is we're converting our eating utensils into Jewish eating utensils because we're trying to convert them to have the mindfulness that my pots and pans and my forks and knives, I'm not gonna encounter engaged food the same way as the rest of the world. The rest of the world does it just indulging. We're, We're living through this pandemic in America, it's the unspoken one about the obesity crisis and the health crisis that has come. It's actually a subtext of the last pandemic, which disproportionately affected people who were not healthy and because the, the, the viral load of COVID attacked specifically fat cells and so people who struggled more were the ones who were not Healthy. We're not allowed to talk about those things today and we're not going to talk about them here. We're not allowed to talk about those things, but, but we're supposed to be living a different mindfulness, a different level of life, a different consciousness. The Jewish approach and attitude is that my pots and pans, my forks and knives, I'm about to cook really delicious food and delicious recipes, recipes of my ancestors, recipes that have an emotional connection to me, recipes that will enhance my Shabbos and my Yontif. I've, I'm going to cook those, but I'm going to do everything I do around eating mindfully not blindly, I'm not going to indulge, I'm not going to follow an an animal appetite or an animal impulse or an animal instinct, I'm going to be mindful. Mindful to the point that, by the way, we believe, there may Pinchas or Pinchas of Karetz and others, talks about, we, we metaphysically add ingredients into the food that we cook, based on what we're thinking and talking about while we make it. The dough of Sara imenu that Rivka was able to recreate in the tent, Yitzchak knew Rivka was the one because when she came back to the tent, the tent that Sarah's candle was lit from Shabbos to Shabbos, and the dough was perfect, and, and so on. What does it mean the dough was perfect? So the mepinchas or of says, what it means is what you're speaking about or listening to, what you're thinking while you're making the dough. The challah is actually one of the ingredients that goes into it, and the people that you love that are going to eat that challah, they're going to eat and they're going to swallow, and they're going to imbibe, and they're going to digest whatever you were thinking you're talking about. So if you were on the phone sharing Lashon Hara while you're making your holy challah, so that challah is now an instrument of poison. If you're listening to something you shouldn't be listening, watching something you shouldn't be watching, feeling, thinking, envy, or arrogant, or angry thoughts while you're making the challah, then, then the challah is now the, the medium of those qualities to whoever's going to eat it. The chicken soup, I always say, Jehovah makes incredible chicken soup. She knows my line, I always say, it's not chicken soup, it's medicine. Delicious, it can heal whatever's going on, physically or spiritually in your life. Chicken soup is delicious. But that's because she has holy thoughts while she makes it. If you make the chicken soup and you're adding all the ingredients, and as you do, you're watching, listening, talking, thinking things you shouldn't, it's all going into that chicken soup. That's what we believe. We have a very different attitude and approach to food than everyone else. And, and we, when you take the kalem to the kalem mikveh, that's the thought, not the label and this glue and that anti-Semite who put this label on this pot with this glue and a sticker and I can't get it off. That's not the thought. The thought is, Hashem, I'm putting this in the mikveh and I'm converting this pot, I'm converting this fork, I'm converting this night, I'm converting it to a Jewish approach, a Jewish mindful approach, a Jewish healthy approach, a Jewish attitude to it. So how do we get into all this? Because Rav Gavliel says that there are people who when they're eating, they're another bria, they're altogether a different creature. They're an animal more than they are a human being. They've suspended all their intellect, all their emotion, all their spirituality, and all they're doing in that moment is indulgent like an animal. And there are other people that when they're making a deal, when they're negotiating a deal, you don't know who they are anymore. There's the person you know who's kind and compassionate and sweet and self-aware, and then there's the person who's hunting that deal, who's negotiating that deal, and they're ruthless, and they're a killer and they no longer have emotion or feeling or empathy. They no longer have perspective on what matters and what's important. And you say, who, who is that person? They're like a hunter with a weapon. And they're only happy if they've made a kill. And they view life as a win-lose, not a win-win. There are people in the pursuit of money and material things don't need sleep. They could work 23 out of 24 hours and not tire. The adrenaline rush they get from making a kill, from making a quick buck, from landing a deal, from turning a profit, you, you've never seen such happiness, such joy. You don't even know who they are. They're unrecognizable at the moment. 18, 19 shows The corollary or the the more appropriate manifestation or expression of this is you see the people who run the matzah bakery before Pesach, which by the way, the matzah is almost all done already for this Pesach. It was done by Hanukkah, the matzah for this. I just saw the Shatzar matzah factory closed down, shut down. No Shatzar matzah this year. Shut down. So they say, retired. I don't know if it's true or not, a rumor, shots or matzah. Anyway, so the people who run that matzah factory, it's round the clock, they don't tire. They're so driven to provide the matzah, to make the matzah, to manufacture the matzah, and to make a living off that matzah, that they're just driven and they get a chiyas. I don't know what a good translation of the word chiyas is. Chiyas is you get life, it is your source of life. It's your life source. It's not a good translation for the word chiyas. Chiyas is your life source. What gives you chiyas? What gives you drive? What gives you energy? What gives you excitement? What gives you passion? What gives you enthusiasm? It's your chiyas. He says, I'm not talking. He said, but there are the people who say, you know, I'm going to corner the market on Dalad Minim. Lula the I'm going to corner that market. I'm going to push everyone else out. I'm going to market better than everyone. I'm going to sell the most Dalad Minim. He's not, not Lashem shemaim, but the people who want the profit. They'll work all hours of the day and night. They're unrecognizable. All they care about is that dollar. All they care about is that profit. All they care about is that bottom line. You don't even know who they are anymore. Mm-hmm. says Rav Gamliel, why is he mentioning all this? Because, if a person were to really stop and think and contemplate and remained very conscious and conscientious and aware, why am I here? What am I meant to do? What is my legacy I want to leave? Is it going to say on your tombstone, he landed the most deals, he turned the greatest profits, he ruthlessly beat out every competitor? Is it going to say on the tombstone, had the best recipes, ate the most, was the most engaged when we were eating in the food, didn't care about anything else? Is that what we want them to say at our levaya? Is that the dash? You know the famous poem, The Dash Between the Years? If you don't, Google it, read it, have some tissues nearby. All that matters is the dash between the years. Is our dash... Is, is it about the recipes or how much we ate, how many restaurants we toured, where we went, our knowledge of food and flavors and umami? <laughs> is, that, is, that, uh, is that what it should say on our tombstone? That's not the answer to <laughs> What was missing in the world before you were created? And what is waiting for you and you and only you to do? And what would be incomplete in Hashem's world if you didn't do it? The answer is never going to be about another deal or making more money or eating more food. Again, there's nothing wrong with making money and there's nothing wrong with enjoying good food. This is not, we are not a religion that believes in asceticism or vows of celibacy or abstinence. We don't think holiness is found in elevating above these things, enjoy them. It's a beautiful world Hashem created. He wants us to enjoy it, but in perspective. And that's not, they're all a means towards something else. The food is a means, right? We won't get into it now, but it's this week's parasha also. Yisro comes. And Vaisaper Moshe, Moshe tells him everything that happened. You're not going to believe it. Shver, you're not going to believe it. Father-in-law, you're not going to believe what happened. And then there was 10 plagues. And then we thought it was over. The Egyptians, and then the sea split. You won't believe it. And Yisra says, that's incredible. What's for lunch? That's amazing. Do I smell a barbecue? That's unbelievable. And then Yisra all of a sudden makes a barbecue. He brings olah suzvachim, he makes a barbecue. He makes meat and everyone else smells the barbecue. Aaron comes and the Zakanim come and they all sit down and they eat. And now we're ready for Kabbalah Satorah after the barbecue, the all you could eat barbecue, after the lunch buffet. What's that doing here? Why now? So we won't get into it, but it is the notion of the role of food in in a positive sense that we can elevate the act of eating and the act of eating elevates us and it is the union of the, the body and the soul when we do it right when we get it right and we do it in a positive way. So we're not, we're not railing against it. It has a place and it has a role and we should enjoy it, but we should never confuse it with being our mission or our life. Never confuse it with the answer to, so Why, are we here? Why are we here? It's never too late to ask yourself that question. It's never too late to live the life you were meant to live. It's never too late to create the legacy that you were meant to create. But how many go deep into their lives and never ask, and never think about that question. It's how the Ramchal begins the Maseel Sha'avoda. He says, the core and the foundation, the source, the root of all life, is to ask ourselves, why did you wake up this morning? Why did Hashem have you wake up this morning? What are you meant to still do? What is the world waiting for you to do, to be? And it doesn't have to be on a large scale cure cancer, make world peace, solve. It could be to be the best version of you, to be the best mother or father, husband or wife, best community member, best friend. Those little small things are very big things, but they're very different than to eat more, to earn more, to buy more, to vacation more. So what is the purpose of life? Kirvas Hashem. It's a beautiful pasuk in Tehillim. It's a beautiful song that was recently composed. Kirvah Sashem Litov. Kir Sashem. Being close to Hashem for me is good. What is the measure of success? What is the measure of life? It's not how much I have, but it's rather how close to Hashem I am. Kir vas Hashem Sashem Litov. You know what's good for me? So if you go for a physical, when you're done, the doctor reviews your labs and reviews the tests and reviews the exam and says, you know, go for a little bit more of a walk. You could use a little bit more exercise and cut off the salt or the sugar or whatever the advice is. So if you went for a spiritual, if we went for a spiritual, you know what the spiritual doctor would say? Add a little bit more kirvas Hashem. Kirvas Hashem lacha tov. Kirvas Hashem for you would would do good. It would be good for you to get a little closer to Hashem. Talk to Him more. Confide in Him more. Unburden yourself on Him more. Kirvas Hashem litov. That's the chiyas. If you came to experience and taste that, what that means, that would become your chiyas. I don't know if how many of you were at Rav Weinberger a few weeks ago when we had here, but that's his Hashem. It's his chias. and and it's contagious. There's a contagion factor to it. There's contagion to negative attributes and qualities, like your health, Your eating habits are a direct result of the people you spend the most time with. There's a negative contagion factor and potentially positive contagion factor, but there's also a contagion factor spiritually. Are we around people who drain us, who are cynical about God, cynical about spirituality, turned off, disaffected, disillusioned, or do we connect to other people's hotspot? Do we have incredibly high speed connection to Hashem because we're latching on to other people's hotspot we're around them? I don't know anyone who walked out of Weinberger was like, that was a waste of the night. I'll never get those couple hours back. That was pretty boring. I don't know anybody who walked out that way. And if there were, I don't want to know about it. But everyone I know walked out was like, wow, I I feel something. I'm on fire. I, I sang and I danced and I was moved and I thought and I laughed and I cried and I had goosebumps and like, I want some of what he's having. Can I have some of what he's having? Whatever of Weinberger's having, I want some of that. So I'll tell you what he's having. Kirvas Hashem. He's having that he talks to Hashem. I'm not over romanticizing Rav Weinberger. He's a human being, like we're human beings. But there are other righteous men and women, other very holy men and women and people. And not all of them have big platforms and big names and fancy titles and big followings. Some of them are sitting next to you right now in this room and they live every day with extraordinary emuna. And when you attach to their hotspot, you could have such a high speed connection just attach to their hotspot. And you, even if you're struggling to connect directly, connect to their hotspot and you could have such a high-speed connection because they're, kirvas, they're having some kirvas Hashem, say, I'll, I'll take what they're having. I'll have two of what they're having. Kirvas Hashem. If that becomes archias, archias, Vonberg wakes up in the morning and he's not like, did LeBron break the scoring title yet today? What's the market doing today? There's nothing wrong with getting excited about basketball. There's nothing wrong with following the market and being invested in it and doing well with it. But is that your chias? Is that your chias? Is that what drives you? I had a cousin in Lakewood who tragically died at the beginning of Corona, tragically. He was an unbelievably modest but extraordinary Talmachacham. He was an accountant and he was old school, old school. There are very few people like him in the world today. He would work every day till he had enough money for his family and then stop and go to learn and he's brilliant. So he had clients who desperately wanted him, and they knew that you needed to call in time before he shut down for the day because he did well enough that day that he could now go learn. He was an amazing Talmud chacham. He wrote countless Tzvarim. He was admired by the Russian Yeshiva of Lakewood and a humble, modest, very, very special person of Zalman Hill of Fendel, of Levracha. Married to my first cousin. Very, very special person. So told the story. His daughter became an accountant too. And once, when is tax? April 15th is uh, when taxes are uh, due? Yeah. So April 14th at night, she called him and she said, Ty, how are you doing? He said, amazing, I'm finished. She said, finished, wow, it's incredible. It's so early in the evening, you're finished already. April 14th, all your clients, you're done. She starts talking to him about taxes and clients and finances and you're finished. He said, no, 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 not, not, not taxes. I just finished Masechta, oh. finished. He didn't even know what she was talking about. Are you finished? His mind went right to whatever he was learning. There was one night, his brothers-in-law, my other cousins told me one night, he said to them, could you come over? I'm trying to put together a minion. I'm making a siyam. What's a on? Megillah, Tainus, Moikotin, Makos. What's a on? Seder Nashim." So they got there. He said, yeah, it's a siyamon on Shas. I decided a year ago I wanted to Chazaret, so I did seven and a half dollars a day, just a Chazaret, didn't make a big party, didn't have a band, there was no famous singer who came. It was just a on Shas, I just needed 10 people so I could do that and then start again. So April 14th, when his daughter said, how are you doing? He says, I'm finished, amazing, I'm so happy. And she thinks he's talking about taxes. He says, no, no, I finished just the latest mesachta. Oh, yeah. He wrote a commentary on Yerushalmi that they showed of Chaim Kenievsky, who was specialized in everything, but Yerushalmi was blown away and said, it needs to be published, and they're working on that now. Just an exceptional person. Why am I telling you this story? Because it deserves to be told, he deserves to be spoken about. But because Word of Gamliel is describing, you know what his chias was? He was a brilliant, brilliant with taxes, brilliant with numbers, but that wasn't his chiyus. His chiyus was Torah, was learning, with Hashem, was his family. That was his chiyus. That was his chiyus. Never confuse earning a living with living. Yechiyus is living. Earning a living is what we need to do to be living. That was the story Rav Weinberger told other people put their logo on and spread all over the internet. But that was the story that he told here at the Boker own synagogue, that his father, when he called and he needed his father, was was the middle of the day and he said, hold on. And his father came back to the phone and they spoke for 45 minutes. And later that night, his mother told him, you know, your father kicked everybody out of the store. It was a dry cleaning and locked the door. And he felt horrifically terrible. His father's migra parnasa, he kicked everyone out and locked the door in the middle of the day. So he went and he apologized to his father. And his father turned to him and he said, Why are you apologizing? Why do you think I have a store? Why do you think I do all this? Why do I think your earnest living is for those 45 minutes when you need me? What do you think it's all for? What was he saying? His chiyas is not dry cleaning. His chiyas is not his parnasa. Maybe he enjoys it. Maybe he's devoted to it. Maybe it's his calling. It's not his chiyas. What's his chiyas? Your is not necessarily what you spend the most time on quantitatively, but qualitatively it's your You have so little time Nabach in this insane world today with our children. But that's your chiyas, those interactions, which should be longer and must be longer. But those, that's your chiyas. That's what you do everything else for, is the chiyas, is what gives you life. So our chiyas is kirvas Hashem, is those moments, talking to him, connecting to him, singing with him, dancing with him, feeling his love, feeling his embrace. Or, to quote our new friend, what's your chiyas? Not freaking out. That's your chiyas. You understand for the person who sent me this email, she was sitting next to Hashem in the airport on standby. She was sitting with him. That was her Kirva Hashem. She didn't freak out. I was at the wrong gate. I looked at the one we're landing, not the one we're departing from. I can't believe it. I missed the flight. I went standby for the next one. There wasn't panic. She said, that's where I was meant to be. I met that woman. I helped that woman. I gave her my phone. She made those phone calls. I wasn't meant to be on that earlier flight. Hashem didn't want me to be there. He wants me to be here. Kir Hashem. He's... It's not the person behind the counter. Sometimes that we panic and we freak out at them. The person who seems to be typing their dissertation all while they're looking where your seat is. That's the person that you're having a panic attack against. No, Hashem, Hashem's the one behind the computer. Hashem's the one determining what flight we're on and if we make it and if we'll get on standby or not. Hashem's giving us our seat assignment, hoping it's a good one with some extra leg room. But Hashem's the one who's giving that upgrade, that seat assignment when you live life What's our chiyas? What's our chiyas? So the same way, the same way that the person who's going to be working overtime because there's a deal they're working on and they can't wait to close that deal and they're going to make a killing on that deal and they're going to feel so good about that deal. They dig deep, they find that adrenaline rush and there's no fatigue. They're so excited. The same way there's no fatigue to try that next restaurant for the all-you-can-eat, for the 17th platter they put in front of you, that Pesach, when you said before the meal you weren't gonna eat, just a cucumber, a little, bring me just some cucumber. I'm not gonna eat, I'm done, I'm never gonna eat again. 17 mains later, 400 uh, desserts later, and the chiyas, you found the chiyas, right? I thought I had nothing left, there was no room left. It turns out there was plenty of room. I thought I had no energy left. It turns out I was able to stay up late eating. There was plenty. The same khiyas that we have to run, to chase, to pursue. The khiyas that people have to stay up late binge watching, they have to get one episode. They never end it. It ends so that you have to start the next. The next. The ne- and all of a sudden if you said, stay up till three in the morning with me saying Tehillim, someone who really needs it. Say, Yeah, out of your mind, I'm too tired. There's no way I wish I could. Stay up till three in the morning with me learning Torah, finding Hashem. Challenging, are you crazy? Three in the morning, never I could. Stay up till three o'clock in the morning, binge watching the new season. It, 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 what do they call that? Atlanta, I don't even know what it's called. Stay up till three in the morning with me. No, never, it's irresponsible. Okay. <laughs> so we find, it. we find the chias. We find the chias for certain things. Stay up and watch LeBron break the scoring record. Ah, don't bother. Stay up, we find the chias. What do we have chias for? That's the question today. Question I leave you with. The question of Gamliel leaves us with what do we have chiyas for? What's our khiyas? What energizes you and what depletes you of energy? And what energizes us should not be there are people who their entire life revolves around the next meal. What are we having for dinner? Where are we going for dinner? Next time we go out, where are we going? What are we ordering? Who will be there? That's my life. That's my chias, that's my whole life. I, I like dinner, I like food. You may have noticed if you've been coming to a few of these shiurim. Like, I, enjoy, I enjoy a good meal, I enjoy food. Again, I'm not on the team that's like, don't care about that. But is that, is that a chias? Is that life? Versus what's the next shiur? What's the next chesed opportunity? When's the next time we're seeing the children? When's the next time we're helping a friend? When the next time? What's the source of our chias? What's the, When's the next sunrise minion at the beach? What's the source of our chiyas? How do we answer that question? Because that in so many ways determines our life, Join us tonight behind the bima with uh, Mort Klein, the president of ZOA. You may not know, his father was a Satmar Chassid, survived Auschwitz, lost all of his family. Uh, How he is a spokesperson for the Jewish people in overcoming Tourette's. Fascinating discussion tonight at 9 p.m. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy, and find your (laughs) chiyas.